Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have an incredible episode for you today with a one-of-a-kind human. Musician Gabriel Larson, known as Gabriel the Bull, joins the show. In two years, we've had over 400 guests spanning across 60 countries, musicians, performers, Olympians, writers and travelers. On the surface, it may seem as if there is no connection between the guests. In a lot of ways, that's been the goal. The ethos of Any Given Runaway is diversity to showcase the differences in people across the planet. And in doing so, we've created a mosaic of human life and culture. And although at first glance it may seem as if there are no similarities between the guests, upon deeper analysis, you'll notice the connective tissue bringing all the guests together is that they are unique in some way and that they confidently build upon their own uniqueness in some way, shape, or form. They're proud of their individuality. And when it comes to being comfortable in one's skin, today's guest serves as the prototype for that outlook. Gabriel Larson, known as Gabriel the Bull, is an American musician who is also currently living a nomadic life. He grew up in rural Wyoming in a desolate area, living an authentic country life. There were times growing up where his family actively chose to not have running water or electricity. Gabriel looks back on those experiences with pride. He enjoys times of isolation, and it was hearing his mother play the piano that first introduced him to music. Years later, he's an incredibly talented guitarist and singer, and he's the living embodiment of a guitar-slinging Western outlaw. His music can only be described as the blooming cinematic soundtrack to the epic Western movie playing in the minds of those who long to ride out alone in the setting sun. You'll hear the sound of dust, horses, thunder, and fire, and whether you love it or hate it, you'll never forget where you were the first time you heard it, which is incredibly accurate, as I remember the first time I heard his cover of Like a Stone, transcendent sound on the Spanish guitar. On today's episode, our conversation stretches the gamut. We talk about his musical beginnings and his mindset when he's performing, but we also dive deeper into philosophy and how he handles uncertainty. And lastly, we chat about his nomadic lifestyle, how it shaped who he is and, and how being a nomad impacted him during the last year. This was truly an unforgettable conversation for me. I went into it with the mindset of, well, we're just going to talk about music, but Gabriel and I quickly went off script and it was incredibly refreshing. I felt like we were just sitting back in an old saloon having some whiskey together. And although that wasn't the case, I anticipate it'll happen one day soon for me and Gabriel. Really, 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 really interesting conversation. We were fortunate to be able to track Gabriel down while he's currently in Tennessee. He literally fired up the generator in order to be able to chat with us. But before we bring him on, we're going to play a sample of one of his newest singles, Coyote Run. And at the end of the episode, you'll hear another of his singles, Guardian Angels. Both fantastic. Uh, he is incredibly talented on the guitar and has a great life story to share. So sit back and enjoy the sounds of Gabriel the Bull. Let's learn. I see a boy with eyes 
with you i know that uh, you were living the nomad lives i appreciate you finding the time to, to link up i know you had to fire up the generator for this conversation so just really thrilled to chat with you i want to start talking about music we can talk about travel later what were your earliest musical experiences and do you remember your first time with the guitar wow yeah um i think first of all thank you very much man for having me on here it's my first podcast experience i'm flattered that somebody would be interested in the answers to these questions um so thank you. My earliest musical experiences. I guess it's important for you to know that um, I was raised by two people who chose to live uh, without running water or electricity for a long time, um, and then and then chose to move out west to the middle of nowhere. I was an only child, um, so my earliest earliest musical experiences were uh, waking up uh, really early in the morning to take care of animals, and then uh, and I woke up while it was dark, and when you're a little kid, that's just the worst, you know, when you're in kindergarten or something, but um, then I would just spend the rest of the day, you know, playing with guns or something outside alone, and my mother would be inside the house, and she would be pounding away at her piano, and she is a... Uh, and uh, just an extremely talented classical classical pianist, excuse me. And she she likes um, powerful music. She likes music that is uh, startling and loud. So she would, I would be outside and from through the walls of the house, you know, real, like an acre away from the house, you could hear her like pounding away Chopin um, or Rachmaninoff. Uh, in the middle of the day, and uh, I guess technically that's my first uh, musical experience that I can remember. Yeah. Um, she still does it, and you can still hear it through the walls of the house way out there in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Um, and I don't remember the first time I picked up the guitar. I I remember why, actually. <laughs> I just don't remember when. Uh, my two, two things happened. Um, I have this like third cousin or something. I don't know how we're related, but um, 
Uh, I'm related to an actor from the 80s named uh, Charlie Martin Smith, and he was in this movie called The Buddy Holly Story with mm. Gary Busey. Yeah. And um, when I was a kid, I watched that movie. We didn't have TV or anything. We, we just had movies, and we didn't have very many movies at all. Um, so the TV was a pretty rarely used thing in our strange house. And so I watched that movie over and over again, and I really wanted to be like the guys on that movie. And, uh, and yeah, I, I remember that being why I picked up the guitar, but I don't remember when it happened. I know movies have left a big impact on your life because you've mentioned that your style of music is booming cinematic soundtrack to epic westerns. So what were the westerns that left the strongest mark on you emotionally? <laughs> yeah, good question. In light of, of the house I described, uh, just not a lot of movies around and the, no TV or anything um, growing up. I still don't have a TV. Um, I live in a camper and there's no TV in there and I don't have Netflix or anything on my Love it. Love laptop. Um, but um, something kind of unusual about me might make the root of that question make sense, I think. So uh, everybody, a lot of people cry in movies, right? Um, and I do too. But... I don't, I cry at a very unusual time in movies and it's a specific time and it's not what you'd expect. I don't, I don't get teary eyed when things are sad or tragic or romantic. Um, there's this, there's this moment in the, uh, at least in my opinion, if it's a well-told story, there's this moment when the hero who has, you know, he's been called to action out of his, uh, mundane life and he's faced insurmountable odds and and uh if it's a well told story he probably has has turned back and has reverted back to some of his old ways because of something that has happened but there's this moment where he has to decide and he has to decide whether or not to be who he really is and whatever save the day kill the dragon step up to the gunfight he has to decide to be who he is or not and and revert back to obscurity or wherever it was he was called out of and that moment just crushes me uh every time it's like instantaneous uh tears and that's something that i'm really passionate about in any movie and it's funny because uh i don't have a, a specific answer to that question i mean there were some westerns around i think tombstone mm -hmm. is a really fascinating example uh, of that moment that I love so much uh, because the hero is um, the hero he's avoiding who he is because he believes that who he is is evil if you if you think that your true self is to shoot people then that's probably yeah you're probably right maybe there's some you need to <laughs> you need to uh, re-examine that but at the same time I think there's something to be learned there about the fact that he had to address this part of himself that in his opinion, was was wrong uh, in order to be who he really was. So I suppose Tombstone is a good one. We had a couple others. We had um, Shane was a movie that was in the house. Um, uh, all the all the Clint Eastwood movies yeah. um, were in the house, and so you know all of all of the good spaghettis uh, were there. But we didn't spend very much time watching them. That's why my answer is probably a little weird or, or mundane because we were. We were kind of living the Western out there. Um, we were hours away from the nearest human, and I was an only child who could do whatever the hell I wanted. So it was um, a little weird. We didn't watch the 
yeah. that many movies. Excuse me, but I do love that moment, and that moment is is uh, I think it's kind of the point of any good story, um, the point of any good art too. I think that's well said, and I, I I think Tombstone is a great example of that, especially with Kurt Russell deciding that you know he's trying to fight who he is. Like you said, that's that's exactly inner turmoil that they face. What about musically? So you mentioned your mother being pianist. So for you, you didn't remember the exact time you started guitar, but when you started playing, who were the musical influences that you had, and was there anyone else that you aspired to be? Anyone you modeled your work after? That is a a great question, and. I swear I'm not trying to do this, but I don't have a, I'm not sure if I have a very good answer to that because, um, I get asked it a lot and, uh, I ask it of people too. Um, the people that I meet that, that are talented and, and interesting, I want to know what their influences are too, but believe it or not, I don't really listen to music <laughs> very much, yeah. which is probably really strange. I make a lot of it and I play a lot of it, but I don't, I almost never listen to music. Um, and when I was a kid, I did have um, my first uh, compact disc, as we called it, was uh, my dad gave me Marty Robbins' greatest hits. Wow, wow. <laughs> and I listened to that. It was the only CD in the house. And I had it. Uh, he gave me a, a little, you know, Discman, I think they were called. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I ran around the, the farm by myself listening to these story songs, you know, um, by the greatest country storyteller ever, maybe. And um, that was a big one, but the, uh, you know, it's, it's hard because I don't, my close friends are always bringing up songs or um, artists that are coming out and doing awesome things. And, you know, they want me to like cover the songs or, or something. And I never know who they are. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I try to find music on social media because I do spend some time on social media. And, uh, um, or I try to anyways, not as much as I probably should, but the Instagram algorithm seems to really think that I need more music and it's, it's probably right. But it, like, it, you know, I just get bombarded with, with every musician, big and small, all of their ads, you know? And, um, and to be honest, most music just kind of bores me to death. Yeah. Um, I don't want to judge anybody and I respect all of them for being brave enough to, to make something and put it in the world, I have so much respect for that. So I don't, you know, no shame on anyone for whatever they're doing. I, I want them to keep doing it. But at the same time, I just have to be honest. And most of the time, I think that, you know, it's like if you have something that you want to say um, that you think is important, sometimes I do question the packages people put them in, yeah. um, so to speak. Sorry, I kind of went on a rabbit trail there, but I don't have a lot of good examples and i play spanish guitar so i i get a lot of wonderful people on my instagram sending me messages about certain players you know have you heard of this guy you sound like this guy and i'm always so flattered but i don't know who any of them are <laughs> ever <laughs> well i think ever. in a lot of ways that could be an advantage as well because you're not influenced in maybe a negative way you're also not stealing anybody's sound you are naturally you're as organic as a musician as they come and i gotta tell you i highly admire and respect that you love Marty Robbins. I think when you call him maybe the greatest country storyteller, that's probably accurate because there might not be a better story song of any genre of music than El Paso. Oh, yes. El, is it El Paso or El Paso City? The first one was is El Paso. Both? He had like a he had a, a sequel to it later was El Paso City, but the initial one was El Paso. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like both of them a lot. I love, I'm about to do a cover of El Paso City because I like, 
I'm a me- I'm a huge melody person. Yeah. Um, like the only time I do get caught off guard by a song, <clears throat> um, like the people who who I don't think those thoughts about where I'm like, yes, like whatever it is you have to say, this is it. That I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it's always about the melody, like having the guts to, to say something in a way that is, uh, strong, profound has a, you know, um, you know, there's something scary about having like a big epic melody. I don't really know what it is, but it's, uh, it feels like taking a risk a little bit when you do that. Um, I don't know. That's probably kind of a weird esoteric thing to say. I don't know why that is, but um, it feels weird, and I, I respect anybody who does that. Um, yeah. And I try to do it myself. I don't know. People listening to this are probably like, man, you know what? I find your music boring. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, uh, again, Marty Robbins, great choice. And another Arizona guy, so got to love him for that. I'm curious about mentally. How do you get yourself in the right mindset to perform in front of other people? Any certain rituals you do or anything you need to have in your life to make sure that you're in the right frame of mind to perform? That's an interesting question for two reasons. Um, one reason is because I'm not sure I feel, you know, one of my mentors who I've never met, I have a lot of mentors who I've never met, but uh, he always says, ask yourself, have you earned the right to have this opinion? Mm. And I'm not sure I've earned the right to have a good answer to this question wow. because, you know, I just started putting music out in January. Um, and, we haven't done a lot of playing, but I do know that when I do it, um, there's two, there seems to be two levels of, uh, of preparation. There's like the emotional preparation, uh, that like facing the fear that you and I talked about a little bit before we, um, came on here. Uh, you know, that, that sort of existential fear that happens when you make art in front of humans. And then there's the other, more practical butterflies that you have about, you know, remembering the words, <laughs> which is a real problem <laughs> for me sometimes. Um, but, you know, as far as the, the latter, you know, I try to remember the words, and try to go over things in my head as much as I can. Um, but on the former level, just the emotional preparation, I don't really need to. Um, and I don't mean in that, that in like a pompous way, like I'm so great, but it's, it's really more about, I mean, Ironically, that inside part of me, I would say, is maybe the only place that I'm really at peace is there. Um, I think that that might be the only place. Oh, sorry. Some kind of explosion uh, nearby. Um, That might be the only place where I, I feel that I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and that it's okay that I'm here and that this is a good idea. Um. So in a way, it's the other parts of life that I have to prepare for, you know, that are scary. It's these conversations that are scary, Randall. <laughs> um, you know, having a difficult conversation with somebody that you don't want to have or or um, saying no to something, that's scary. Mm-hmm. But performing in front of people for me is, is much easier than those things emotionally. Fascinating. And I admire your mentor who said, is it worthy enough to have an opinion? Do you know enough to have an opinion? I think that's a, a, a mindset and a lesson we all should adhere to. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, you should read his books. It's uh, it's Ray Dalio. He wrote uh, Principles, and he's a really successful uh, hedge fund manager, actually. But he's got uh, a lot of wisdom. Read Principles. It's a good book. I will. I, I'm gl- I gladly will accept all book recommendations. Thank you. You mentioned a little bit about this, 
But as a musician, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty that comes with your career. So how do you handle just the uncertainty? And what I mean by that is also just, should I put this song out? Should I do a music video? Should I choose this song? Uh, should I perform this? What should I do? There's just so many questions you have to answer, and there's really never a black and white yes or no what you should do. So there's so much uncertainty, so much doubt. So how do you how do you power through the uncertain times, the doubt that comes your way as a musician? You know, I I think about dying all the time. Uh, a lot, actually. Um, I guess I've seen a lot of, of death and enough of death in my life anyways, that it's just, it's just something that's on my mind a lot. And I actually, I don't remember where I read it or heard it recently, but I think I was reading, somebody was talking about how they were becoming a monk, like an official monk of some kind. I don't know where or what kind the last thing they had to do was to take a really long period of time i don't remember how long and just to meditate on their death and i remember joking to myself like oh man i'd be a great monk i should go and be a monk because yeah. i meditate on my death all the time but um that practice if you will it's not a practice i don't like sit down and set a timer and think about death it just happens um i don't know if it's working around animals all the time or, or reading the things I read, but it's always in my mind. It kind of makes me, anytime somebody brings up uncertainty about anything, especially the small things, I end up just thinking about that. And I think that, um, I'm not sure any of us actually have that much certainty in our decisions or in any of the things that make us comfortable. Um, I think most of that is not real actually. And I think that, um, I think that it can even be another mentor of mine who I just met a few days ago for the first time and became friends with him. I feel so lucky, but he, uh, he, uh, he calls it resistance. And in a way you can, you can use that uncertainty, you know, making, trying to make good decisions or trying to be, make sure that you don't make a big mistake or, 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 you know, trying to even, even noble things like trying to take care of your family and, or, or be a good wife or husband, like those things can in a very sneaky way, just become a way to convince yourself to not be who you really are. Um, you know, to bring it back, not unlike Kurt Russell in Tombstone, you know, we can convince ourselves that, that we're doing the responsible thing, the, the noble thing by not being who we really are. So, Anyways, that was a bit of a rabbit trail. I'm sorry, but I think I think certainty is an illusion. You know, you want some certainty. Uh, very soon, you know, Randall, you and I will be dead. Yeah. We will be very, very gone, and that is certain. <laughs> that is the only thing I know for sure. So when I I do have some stress, you know, sometimes uh, about little decisions, especially, you know, should I make this video? Should I cover this song? Um, especially having just started, I don't have enough under my enough successes under my belt to. Um, my God, what are these people doing next door? I'm sorry. Uh, but um, I don't have enough success under my belt to justify my decision. So I end up going back to the big existential thoughts and just realizing that, uh, that I'm never going to get that feeling. Not really, not in any way that matters. So the, I, I end up just moving and just, uh, you know, putting gas in the truck and uh, going uh, literally and figuratively. You know, what started off as a music conversation has veered into a philosophical conversation, and I, I love it. This is great. I, I, 
I really appreciate it. It's a bad, it's a habit of mine. <laughs> it is a welcome, welcome experience on my end. I am, I am thrilled for it. I, I definitely enjoy chatting about things like that, and I, I appreciate your, your mindset on life. Thank you, man. Before I get into the nomadic aspects of your life, which I'm really eager to, to hear about, I'm curious about the biggest lesson you've learned from the last year. A year filled of turmoil for a lot of people, but you saw it differently, being in your nomadic lifestyle and also starting a music career during that span. So for you, what do you feel is the biggest lesson that you've learned from the last 12 months? Man, um, you know, it's funny. It, it's going to end up being a conversation about the nomad lifestyle in some ways because I wasn't. At the beginning of last year, um, I was not only not living the nomadic lifestyle, but um, at the start of last year, I was a married, um, pretty successful um, guy. I was making, you know, to me, more money than anybody in my family's ever made. I was making well over six figures. I owned a, a media consulting agency. I had some big clients and I owned my home. And Yeah, in a matter of about a few months, None of those things were true anymore. <laughs> and, you know, to be honest, I'm still, I'm still sort of reeling from the experience of uh, all, none of those things being, being my present reality anymore. Those are all, you want to talk about the illusion of certainty, my friend. Um, I, get, I suppose I got a good lesson in that um, last year. Um, I am, I'm currently a technically unemployed single homeless man <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know i i just you know actually have you ever read anything by mark manson i have not not yet okay well he wrote um the subtle art of not giving a fuck okay that yeah, little yeah. fat was on every end cap that it has a uh, the title and the branding um, are both brilliant and also kind of ruin it because people like you and I would probably never pick it up. But um, it's uh, he has a, a, a wonderful analogy in there um, where people always look at their life and they try to work toward their um, the positive things they want. You know, like I want to have this much money in the bank or, or this kind of relationship or this kind of career or whatever. Um, they look at the the positive. Things. And there's nothing wrong with looking at positive things and thinking about positive things. But after this past year, there was a couple analogies that I thought a lot about. And he said, one of them is that you, you shouldn't choose those things. You should choose the kind of problems that you want to have. Hmm. And he actually used the analogy of a shit sandwich. He said, you should, you know, those people that you want to be have lives that are full of problems too. They are eating a shit sandwich just like you are and you should choose the kind of life where if you saw somebody eating that shit sandwich so to speak you would look at them and say hey are you going to finish that mm -hmm. yeah. and life is very strange right now I uh you know all those things having been said about my external circumstances uh these are the problems I would prefer to have yeah because um, I've had the other kinds and I understand them, I think, and I respect them. I prefer these problems. And I suppose what the last year did was sort of 
You know, it's like standing in a strong wind. I don't know if you've ever been out in big open spaces. You're in Arizona, so I don't know if you've ever just stood out there before a storm hits and then it hits you. And sometimes it's like a wall mm-hmm. of, of air when it hits you. And when that happens, you're sort of forced to um, you're sort of forced to you know fortify your stance. You sort of you move a foot back and you bend your front knee and you 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 have to be in this like fighting stance to sort of face what's hit you and you're in a much stable where you're, you're in a much more stable place once you do it. So if anything, what last year did was sort of force me to fortify my stance and, and choose the kind of problems that I wanted to have. I don't know if that's valuable to anybody, but that's the most honest answer to your question. I can. Well, it's also a fantastic analogy too, is the last year taught me to brace myself and, and fortify myself. That's a tremendous year. Any year, if that's what you come away with, I think that's fantastic. Thank you, man. You are currently, like you mentioned, in, in between locations. Before we chatted, you said you don't really have an address. You don't really have a home, which I think is, is no. spectacular. It's just it's just a brilliant mindset that you're also comfortable with that. What has nomad life been for you? And do you have a set journey or plan going forward? Or do you want to stay in a, in a place for X amount of time and go somewhere else? Or are you just taking it all as it comes? That's a good question. Um, I think I have a... I like to keep my plans uh, blurry, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I have to have them, and I have to have goals that I'm working towards so that I can, you know, still get up when it's dark and uh, and get to work. But I, um, I also have to. I work pretty hard to cultivate an unattachment to them, so that when opportunities or challenges show up, I can I can pivot quickly. Um, uh, probably one of the only natural skills I have <laughs> is to not be too attached to plants. It drives some of the people that I, you know, the people I play music with and the people I'm close to, it drives some of them crazy. Uh, but um, I have a place out west that I would like to eventually um, spend as much time as, as possible um, right up where my, uh, close to where my mother still lives. And uh, um I would like to divide my time between there and uh, and probably down south, only because that's where I uh, where the uh, the other guys that I play music with are. They're all down in Nashville. That's why I'm about an hour out of Nashville. Now, um, that's something I need to do. I love Southeast Arizona. It's a place I'm really passionate about. Um, I've met some people recently uh, in some areas in California. I mean, honestly, one of the biggest magnets for me. Um, geographically is actually not music, it's uh, horses. Oh. Um, strange as that sounds, but that's sort of my, the the other thing I do with my life is that I work with horses all the time now. And um, that's why I actually got the opportunity to stay at this little ranch that I'm sitting at now um, because uh, they needed, they had a horse that needed some uh, specific type of work that I can uh, do. And uh, so originally they just traded me, you know, room and board, so to speak, place to park my camper in uh, exchange for working with that horse every day. And now that we've, we've become such good friends, I think the transactionality of that statement would offend uh, my wonderful friend who owns this place. But uh, horses are, are really important to me, um, and I don't know why. Uh, but that, that has a strong pull on my decision-making uh, right now. What's next musically for you? What can we look forward to? One of the singles you recently put out was a, Like a Stone cover, which was fascinating. Loved it. What do you got coming up? Thank you. Any, any future 
performances or any projects we need to know about? Goals and, and projections are difficult for me in this area. We do have um, we have some of our first uh, in-person shows coming up. That's, that's, I guess, technically a milestone of sorts. But um, anybody who wants to come watch us, I promise you it will not be boring. Just go to Gabriel the Bull on Instagram and, and, uh, and I'll let you know. But um, it, that's a tough question because I don't... Um, you know, I didn't play. I didn't touch a guitar for well over ten years, and I definitely wasn't involved in any music uh, in any other fashion, really. Um, so, I mean, I have I have no desire to be famous, and that's probably part of the reason I I ran from music for so long. Um, but something happened, and these these particular songs, a couple of them in particular. Um, just hit me in such a way that um, yeah, I can't. I feel like I can't even take credit for writing them, to be honest. Um, but they showed up, and however that works, I just had the sense that they were important to someone. Um, maybe not everybody, okay. But I just had that for whatever reason. I just knew that that uh, if I was going to be given the responsibility of this this music and I had to work for it and that those songs deserved um, all the work I could put into them even even with my contrasting lack of desire to be famous although that is that's actually concerning because as I say I think it was Bertrand Russell who said that the first signs of serious psychosis are uh, uh, a belief that one's work or endeavors are extremely important (laughs) (laughs) so that might uh, maybe I ought to take that as a warning but um I mean, I do know some things. I know that um, I have no desire for uh, like a middleman in this in this area, so to speak. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I want to go uh, direct to consumer, so to speak. I want to talk to my fans. I want to meet the people who resonate with this music, and I want to build uh, what I just call the tribe. Um, I want to to really know people. I want to grow together. I imagine a group of people, no matter the size, if it's 10 people, 1,000 people, whatever, who, uh, who are interested in finding out and then being, hmm. really being who they are. Hmm. And I want to find them, and I want to do that with them. And if the music helps or brings us together, great. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really care about followers or streams or likes or any, but I care, I care about the tribe and, uh, that is it. And, uh, the clarity is nice for me, but sometimes it does make, you know, decisions a little difficult only because I don't know anybody who is doing anything this way. And, uh, so I don't have any role models and I wish I did. I wish I had people, I know they're out there. I just haven't met them, but I like, I don't have other people who are interested in doing something like this. So it's very, it feels a little bit like the wild west, ironically, <laughs> We're just making this shit up as we go. Um, so that's my plan. I want to build the tribe and, uh, it's really fun so far. Actually, we've, uh, the best way I knew how to start doing that was to just invite the few people that have found us. I'm baffled and absolutely flabbergasted and flattered at how many people have found us in the five or six months or however long we've been putting out music. And, uh, um, I just invite them to, uh, join a private group and, uh, and we just, uh, 
we communicate via text with the group and we do private live streams. And, uh, you mentioned my <laughs> maybe unfortunate sometimes, uh, tendency to go deep, uh, in conversation. But what's beautiful about it is these are, these are my people. These are the people who want that. They want to go deep. They want to, they don't want to waste any time, uh, with their lives. And, uh, so we have these little events and, and things go real deep, real fast. And, uh, to me, just the fact that I've had any people interested at all in doing that, um, is at least some sign that even if I'm not doing it the right way, that I'm not, I'm not completely crazy, um, <laughs> in the, in in the direction that we're going. So, yeah. um, yeah, those are my only plans that and, uh, and some shows up in uh, South Dakota and Montana that are happening in, uh, July, everybody check Instagram, come see us. That would be, I have a feeling those are going to be a real ruckus. So <laughs> partially crazy is something I approve of any combination of a Western vibe with Bertrand Russell. That's the type of tribe that I love. Super stoked to see what's yeah, next for you and, and to see the upcoming shows. I'm flattered, man. And I love your work. I, I found so many interesting people just perusing your Instagram. It's really good. So anyways, I don't need to take any more of your time, man. I'm baffled at the speed and the efficiency at which you do this. Like one quick message, boom. Okay, let's schedule the date. Boom. Then you have the conversation. Then you're editing that shit up and you're putting them out like crazy, man. Um, I admire the hell out of that. So keep up the good work, dude. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll hit you up uh, next time I'm around Phoenix. I'll save your number and I got a feeling our paths will cross in the future. Oh, I do too, man. I do too. We're both probably end up famous and hating it, but happy. <laughs> and then in some far off location or something as well. <laughs> yeah, famous and hiding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it would be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, man. Well, have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll stay in touch. All right, Gabriel. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to my man, Gabriel. For more information and to be part of his tribe, Visit GabrielTheBull.com. Stick around at the end of the episode while we listen to the single, Guardian Angels. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento.
In the 